You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. Please open your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalm number 33. In a world of raging war, in a world that wars against the things of God and the things of Christ, in a soul, a sin-sick soul that rages inside of us having peace. I thank God that we can have peace with him through his blood. I thank God that we can find peace with him in his word, that we can find strength and comfort and refuge in his word. Did you guys just notice that I spilled water? I missed my mouth. Did you guys notice that? At least it's not coffee, right? The title of this message is a bit of a follow-up of last week's message given by inspiration, A Matter of Faith. It is a step from that. The title of this message is In Awe of Thy Word. We find the word awe in Scripture three times. It's all three times in the book of Psalms. We're going to look at two of those instances. The other instance is in Psalm number four, and it speaks of a prayer life and being being in awe of the presence of God. In Psalm number 33, we're going to start reading in verse six. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your inspired word. We thank you that we have a book here sitting in our laps that we can trust. A book that we can have confidence in, a book that we can say your spirit is in it, that it is the inspired word of God, Lord. We, my soul, Lord, I I pray that you would preach this message to my heart this evening, Lord, because I know within me I do not stand in all of your word. I pray that you would preach this message to every heart sitting here, or that if there's a soul here, that does not know you, that today they would come to humbleness and repentance. I pray that you would take us to a greater and deeper level than any of us have ever been before. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse number eight, we find the word in all of the phrase, in all of him, we find that word all. It's a word that we can easily understand. It's a word where you can imagine somebody's jaw is dropped, but there's an essence of fear here, like being awestruck, being wild in reverential fear. The Bible uses the word awe. That is what it's speaking of in these three places, to 
to just throw up your hands, speechless in rever reverential fear. Oh, you stand at attention, quaking in your boots. It is a way in which you are moved unlike anything has ever moved you. And we see here in the context of Psalm number 33, we see that in verse, 60, in verse 6 it says, By the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Now God could have chosen any number of ways, any manner of way, ways to make this world. To form this earth that we sit on and the heavens that are above us and the countless number of stars that are above this sky tonight. He could have chosen any other way, but the Bible says that he spake them into existence. He could have just placed his finger and placed them into existence. He could have just thought them into existence. But before there was any other thing in existence besides the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, before there was any other witness to hear this God spake creation into existence, there's significance there. Oh, there's power in God speaking. There is power in his word. In Genesis 1-3 it says, And he said... Not he thought, not he moved his hands, but he said, let there be light, and there was light. Now we know from the book of James that the tongue, our tongue, our earthly tongue, has an unruly power. That we can destroy lives, that we can destroy kingdoms with our tongue. That there's a, there's a deep and strong and powerful aspect to our tongues and our speech and our language. But this is simply incomparable to the power that lies in the Word of God when God speaks. Things move when God speaks. It is always powerful. And we go through the book of Genesis in Genesis 1-6, and he said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And verse 11, and he said, let the earth bring forth grass. And verse 14, and he said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. God spoke these things into existence. You go through of Genesis 1 and before there is any man, before there is any ear to hear anything except the Son, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, God speaks, almost like he wanted to give us a demonstration of the power of his word. Through faith, we understand that the wor worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, evolution is a fantasy. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, God speaking, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out, out the water and in the water. The power of God's word. Everything that you can see was spoken into existence. You couldn't speak anything into existence. You could ruin lives and you could, you could see lives saved and see lives changed by the power of your tongue, but you couldn't speak anything into existence. 
but God can and he did. He could have done it by any other means, but he chose to use the words of his lips, the words of his mouth, before there was ever a language, all the power of his word. Jesus walking on this earth, Lazarus dies. And with just three words, after a prayer speaking three words to a dead man, a man that had been in the tomb, a man who had been rotting, Jesus yells, Jesus speaks, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the man rises from the dead, he walks up out of that grave, his grave clothes fall off of him, Lazarus was living like he had never died. That is the power of God's word that he can speak life back into existence. There is no medical doctor that could ever bring Lazarus back to life. There is no thoughts, there's no medicine, there's nothing, there's no magical kind of power that could bring Lazarus back to life except God chose to use his words to bring Lazarus back to life. His inspired word healed the crippled, healed the blind, healed the death, healed the disease, and forgave sins. He upholds all things by the word of his power. The word of his power. The word of God. The power of his word. The word of the Lord. Do you know that the book sitting in your lap is called the word of God? And I I know that you know that, but I want you to make this connection. The book sitting in your lap is called the Word of God. It's called Scripture. It's called God's Word. It's given many titles and many names, but there is absolutely a connection between God speaking and this book that you have. And if we can make this connection and pull the mighty miracles and the mighty wonders that God has wrought through the power of his word, the word of his power, that he spoke all things that you can see into existence, and that he spoke all things that you cannot see and all things that you cannot imagine into existence, and he upholds all those things. He keeps all those things in check by the word of his power, the Bible says. And then you have something a treasure sitting on your lap that is called the Word of God. As if almost God wants us to understand, almost like God wants us to grasp that the same kind of power that spoke the world into existence, and the same kind of power that rose Lazarus from the dead, the same kind of power that healed the blind, that healed the sick, that healed the death, the same kind of power that resurrection power, those words being spoken, that same kind of power is on your lap this evening. And I say, do you know that the book sitting in your lap is also called the Word of God, that it has that same kind of power, just as the Word of God that spoke creation into existence? I say that because I'm afraid, I'm concerned that many of us, including myself, really don't get that. Really don't get the power of God's Word. If we did, oh, it would become much more an intimate part of our lives. 
By his word, the apostles turned the world upside down. You say, by his word? Do you know that the, word, the phrase word of God is used more often in the book of Acts than any other book in the Bible? The early church were men of God's word. The word of the Lord, that phrase, is used more often in the book of Acts in the New Testament than in any other book in the, in the New Testament. You see, there's a strong significance to God's word and the early church that turned the world upside down in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a side note, the word prayer is used more often in the book of Acts than in any other book in your New Testament. They were men of prayer. They were men of the word of God. Oh, by his word, he will put Israel through the fire and through judgment that you see in the book of Revelation with unimaginable plagues. Oh, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Psalm 119. In reverential fear of the power the mighty, mighty power of the Word of God. By His Word, we know the unknowable God. By His Word, we escape the judgment of hell. By His Word, we can overcome the forces and the darkness of Satan. By His Word, we can overcome that S-E-L-F that defeats us on a daily basis. By His Word, I can be encouraged when I'm downtrodden. By His Word, I am strengthened when I am weakened. By His Word, I'm comforted when I'm afraid. All oh, the mighty power of God's Word to your life, Christian. Stand in awe of his word. His word is purifying. His word is a hammer to both destroy and to build up again. His word is more than the mortal tongue could ever tell, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, Christian, that there is nothing other, there is nothing other that exists in this life. There is no inspirational book. There's no inspirational quote. There's nothing in this globe that can affect your spirit and your emotion and your mind more than this book that you have on your lap that sits on your bookshelf collecting dust from week to week. You have all of these problems and all of these defeats and all of these worries and all of these concerns and God has written you a love letter. He's written you a book. He's written you an answer book. You have questions and he has answers and he says, open it up and read my word and stand in awe of my word. Oh, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. That's the same word of his power that spoke creation into existence and upholds all of creation to remain in existence, that same word of his power lies in your lap. Wow. 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast 
known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You say, well, how do I know that the book that I have in my lap is the word of God as if God's speaking to me? Well, you could never know for sure. You say, well, how do I know for sure that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again the third day? Well, you, you could never know for sure. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. And God has written in his book that he has inspired his word, that he has preserved his word. So the question is, is do we have God's word? Do you have God's word? And what does that mean? What does it mean that you have God's word? If you have God's word, if God's word exists underneath this globe, if he promised, if he did what he promised to do, which would preserve his word from this generation unto the next, then where is his word? Is his word inspired? There's a lot of debate and a lot of talk about that word amongst our fundamental churches. You know, I have had two churches that denied me because I said in my doctrinal statement that the book that you have in your lap, your King James Bible, is God's inspired word. By fundamental Baptist churches that use the King James there's a whole lot of confusion as to what this word, inspiration of scriptures, means. We're not going to go through all of that this evening. If you were, weren't here last week and you missed that, I invite you to go and look that up and listen to that message. Is it inspired? The book that you have, the book that you can get your hands on, is it inspired. One thing that helped me along this journey to coming to believe that I actually had an inspired word of God, that it wasn't bound up in the Greek, that it wasn't someplace hidden that I couldn't see, that I actually had God's word and that I could trust it. One thing I heard a man say that he was, he was talking to an intellectual one time, and the intellectual actually asked a really good question, which is, well, what's your definition of inspired? Because you see a lot of this debate in the fundamental churches about the inspiration of scriptures lies in their error of what inspired and the inspiration of scriptures mean. Believing that the inspiration of scriptures only apply to the originals. Yet Timothy, yet Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.15 that Timothy had the scriptures. He didn't have the originals, but he had the scriptures. And then Paul advances and says, all Scripture, not part of Scripture, not some of it, not some of the words, but all Scripture, all of God's words, all of them have been given by the inspiration of God. And thus the very words that Timothy carried with him and studied from a child, Paul says, God says, that they were given by inspiration of God, they were inspired. We get so caught up in the process of the inspiration of scriptures. We try to define how God did it. But we never try to define how God rose himself from the dead. 
Yet we try to corner God into a, place God into a corner and say, if it was done, that it must have been done this way. Not understanding that the scriptures that you have in your lap are a very miracle. And you need not decipher it. You need not to try and figure out exactly how he did it and the way and the method that which he did it because the Bible doesn't tell you. It says that the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say that they write, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have this mystery of the inspiration of scriptures and we have it and we have the promise of the inspiration of scriptures and what are we to do but to accept it by faith just like every other doctrine. Now we so often try to reason it away and try to have the experts on the inspiration of scriptures when we don't pretend ourselves to be experts on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We just say, he did it and I believe it. But God said his word, that he's given his word and through the inspiration of God, therefore he said it, I believe it. That helpful uh, conversation that that one man had one intellectual asked him, well, what's your definition of inspired? And the man responded, well, what's your definition of expired? I mean, do you have an expired word or do you have an inspired word? God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. So I am a living soul, though the breath of life was not, life was not breathed into me like it was Adam. I'm not the same as Adam. I don't have the same substance as Adam, but I am no less a living soul than Adam in the same regard. God breathed onto paper his word. That paper has his spirit on it. The language might be different, and there may be some things different, just like there are things different for me and Adam, but just like I am no less a living soul than Adam, so my Bible is no less inspired word than the originals. Otherwise, he didn't preserve it. You and I might as well just go home. If we can't trust his word, if his word's not powerful, if his spirit is not in it, inspired his spirit in it, in spirit. If it's not inspired, then it's not scripture. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. I have a question. If we don't have God's inspired word, our, the, the word that we have is not pure. So how can we love it? How can we trust it? Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The word of God is incorruptible, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which word which by the gospel is preached unto you, Christian. You have a Bible that from generation to generation, man and the devil has tried to corrupt it, but God said, I will preserve my word from this generation unto the next. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein do you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Peter is saying in this scripture, as you saw last week, that we have something more sure, and the 
inspired word of God, we have something more sure than if God were to show up on the scene and talk to us, than if the very apostles who saw Jesus Christ in the flesh were walking amongst us and told us of their testimony of his transfiguration and told us of their testimony of him rising from the dead and appearing amongst many, many disciples. If they told us those things and if God showed up on the scene and gave us his word, if the clouds departed and he came into this room and spoke in an audible voice, Peter says we have a more sure word prophecy than that Christian in this blessed old book. Wow, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Wow. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Above every name that is given to God, above every name that is given to Jesus Christ, and understanding and considering the fact that there will come a day that all of those scoffers and all of those God-haters who shake their fist at God will one day bow the knee before God and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, even though we have that scene coming before us in the future. The Bible says that there's something that's even greater than the name of Jesus Christ and that is his word. Wow. Flip over with me to our destiny this evening. Where this message revolves around. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Does your heart stand in awe of God's word? If it doesn't, what is the solution for us? Psalm 119. Princes have persecuted me without a cause. But my, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 161. I do that all the time, I know. Psalm 119, verse 161. My wife lets me know these things. You guys don't, but my wife does. Psalm 119, verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Remember the word awe is used three times, once in regard to entering the presence of God through prayer. Another time we saw that the, 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 God, the word of God has power, creation, resurrection kind of power. And now we see the psalmist writes in 119, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Oh, see in Christian that the same power that brought everything seen and unseen into existence and that the same word of his power allows all things to continue and seeing that you have that word lying in your lap is your heart in awe of God's word. You know, I don't think that we could force our hearts to be in awe of God's word. 
It's not like you can just tell yourself that you are in awe of God's word and it's going to be so. But there are some tests that we can use to figure out whether or not we are in awe of God's word. And we can use those same tests to advance in our hearts and our conduct and in our lives to become in awe of God's word. It's interesting that he says, my heart standeth. Not that I am in awe of his word, but my heart standeth as if it was just uncontrollable to him. As if he just couldn't help himself but to be in awe of his word. As if he threw up his hands and praised God and says, my heart standeth in awe of his word. I can't help myself. In awe of his word, he says, princes also did sit and speak against me, but my but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembled for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. He's saying, though the world is against me, and though the world is against the word of God, and though they mock me, and though they ridicule me, and though they try to destroy me, I will be in awe of your word. I will meditate in it. I will love it. And regardless of how things appear, and regardless how the princes seem to be exalted and I seem to be abased and regardless of how it seems like I'm on the losing side this psalmist says I will stand in awe of his word regardless of how things look I will stand in awe of his word my heart will never fear what the crowd says but trust in your word no matter how things appear there are many sitting here today mock the word of God mock the preacher in their heart as if as just as those who did throughout the ages Isaiah says in 28 13 but the word of the Lord was unto them mocking Isaiah precept upon precept all rules upon rules precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken and Isaiah says that those who mock the preachers and those who mock the word of God and those who mock the things of God those who are the princes that have persecuted me without a cause the Bible says those who mock the word of God and the preaching of the word of God and the standards and the and the convictions that we get from the word of God and the fervor of that we get from the word of God those who mock the things of God that are found in the word of God they will be destroyed Christian regardless of how things appear you are on the winning side don't you go over there with the princes that are mocking God's things verse 162 how do we know that we are in awe of God's word it will be your source of joy. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Another place he says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Where is your heart this evening? Do you care more about what is in this book? Or do you care more about what is in this world? Do you care more about entertainment or do you care more about what is in this book? Do you care more about money or do you care more about what is in this book? This will be put to the test when you have a heart and a desire greater for the things of this world. The lust, the money, the power, 
the materials, the possessions, the popularity, when you have a greater desire for the things of this world than you do than to get your nose in this book and to rejoice at the word of God rather than the world and their devices. If you rejoice in the world, if you have greater joy in the world than in this book, your heart does not stand in awe of his word. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Oh, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Christian, let me ask you a question. When you hear, thou shalt not covet, is that a joy to you? Is that a rich, rich, deep treasure to you? When you hear, thou shalt not commit adultery, is that a rich and a deep treasure to you? When you hear the word of God, the law of God spoken, are you like the psalmist that says, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver? Would you rather hear the word of God or would you rather go and make money? Many of you prove that by your work schedules. Don't think any sitting here tonight prove that by their work schedules, but many Christians do by their work schedules. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Does it bring joy to your heart to read God's word? Or in the morning do you just do it because you know that's what you're supposed to do? Is it when you get up in the morning you can't wait to get in the book? Or do you find yourself picking up your phone while you're having your devotions in the morning and being on Facebook? Where's your joy? Where's your devotion? Uh, verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Most of us would say we hate lying. We hate being lied to. But we don't mind lying to each other. You say, well, that's not me. I don't lie to people. You know, another way to lie is to have a false way about you. In Psalm 119, 128, he says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Not just every false word, but every false way. You say, Brother Aaron, how does this apply? What are you talking about? Do you do good because someone is watching you and you don't want them to think what's really in your heart? You say, well, I'm just guarding my testimony. And that's fine. That's probably a good thing to do. But if your heart doesn't match up with your actions, then you are lying and still guilty of more sin. You are a hypocrite. Number three, 164, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of my, thy righteous judgments. If the word of God, if you stand in awe of his word, he will be the source of your praise. His word will be the source of your, his pray, of your praise. His word will be the source of your joy. 
Paul, or the psalmist says, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Yet so many Christians are afraid to praise God with the fruit of their lips. Afraid to give testimony, even amongst other Christians. Afraid to say the Bible words like hallelujah and praise God. They're afraid. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed to talk about how good God is. They're embarrassed to talk about how powerful God is. They're embarrassed to talk about what he's done in their life. They're embarrassed to give honor and praise and thanksgiving to his name in front of not just the world who would mock them and ridicule them, but in front of Christians. Wow. This is why there's just socialization amongst our Christians and not true fellowship. You fellowship in the Spirit whenever you talk about the things of the Lord. We're afraid to talk about the things of the Lord because we are not in awe of His Word. If you are in awe of His Word, He is the source of your peace, and in nothing you are offended Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That word offend, when you see that in the Bible, you can, you can understand that to mean the opposite of repentance. It is you repenting of what you repented of. It is you when, you, when you went back to God and when you turned to God and repented, you being offended is you running away from God. Oh, if... You are in all of his words. You will stay rock steady in the center of God's will. He will be the source of your peace. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They're not offended. They're blessed. They're, they're, they're full of peace. They're full of the peace of God because they have peace with God because they're doing the things that are written in this book because they love his testimonies because they are in love with God's word because they stand in awe of his word oh that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments number five verse 166 Lord I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments if you are in awe of his word he is the source of your hope he is your salvation My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Out of this book, he is your hope. When, the sa when Satan comes to you and tries to place doubts in your heart, you go to this book and allow the Spirit to testify in your heart that you are a redeemed child of God. But Christian, there are other things that we need saved from. We need saved from the devil. We need saved from our own flesh. And we need saved in our hard circumstances in our life. And we have in this book the salvation that we can find to be saved from the power of the devil, to have hope to be saved from this life of the flesh, to have hope to be saved from the circumstances that would defeat us in this life. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me? If you are in all of his word, if you are in all of his word, he is the source. It is the source of your hope, the source of your salvation. 
Number six, Mm, 167, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. His testimonies, his law, his words, his commandments. Love them, not just love them, but I love them exceedingly. And another place in this, in this psalm, it says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Do you love God's commandments? Do you delight yourself in God's commandments? Are you in awe of his word? My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You show how much you love God's word, whether or not you love it just a little, or love it a lot, or love it exceedingly, by how much you think on his word. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. How do we know if we love his word? When you love someone, you spend time with them. If you love God's word, you will spend time in it. When you love someone, you think about them. If you love God's word, not a whole lot of time will go by where you don't think about his word. If you are standing in awe of his word and thus loving his word, when you love someone, you do what you must to not contradict them. You do what you must to please them. And if you stand in awe of God's word, if you truly love his word exceedingly, then when you read his word, you obey it. You obey it. You don't just read it and let it fall on deaf ears. You don't let, you don't let these words go to waste but you take them and you allow them to form something new in your life. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation. I opened my mouth and I panted, for I longed for thy commandments. And number seven, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Verse 168. If you are in all of his word, the object of your thought is the Word of God. It is your meditation all the day long. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will think about your word. I will think about your word all day long. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I prevented the dawning of the morning. I got up before the sun rose, he says, and cried, I hoped in thy word. My eyes prevent the night watches that I meditate in thy word. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Does your heart stand in awe of his word? If it doesn't, then what can you do about it? You could allow this book to be the source of your joy and not the world. You can love what this book says. Even if your heart doesn't understand it, you can love what this book says and hate the falsehood of the world. You can love what this book says and hate the falsehood of this word, world. You can allow this book to change the way in which you speak that the offering of your lips to God would be praise to his name, the Bible says. 
When's the last time you took up an offering for the Lord out of your mouth? When's the last time you praised his name? Begin praising his name and you will love his word. You will begin to come to the point where your heart can stand in awe of his word. If he, this word, is the source of your praise, the source of your peace, finding the word of God and the laws of God and walking in them and thus having peace with God and not turning away from them regardless of what circumstances seem and regardless of how, how tough the temptation looms over your head, you say, I will not be offended. I will stick to this word. I will hear the things that's been taught to me and I will reject the world and I will reject the temptations of Satan and I will reject the temptations of my heart. Thus I can have peace with God. I find my peace and my hope for salvation in this word. And it will be the object of my love if I want to stand in awe of his word. And thus, because I love it, I will obey it. For if you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. It will be the object of my love. I will endeavor to make it the object of my love, and thus I will meditate on it, and I will hope in it. All of my hope will be in it, and I will look for it for my joy and my peace and my comfort, and I will use it so that I never turn away from God, but always follow in his footsteps and always in his path. And I will reject those things that the world says, and I will cling to the law that I love, and I will praise his name and not be offended, not be ashamed, of it and I will rejoice at his word as one that findeth great spoil I will esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food and thus I can arrive at the place where I look and I just can't help myself that because I stand in awe of his word the word of his power knowing that the same kind of word that he used to speak creation into existence that he that he rose Lazarus from the dead and that he will one day rise me again when he says, come up hither. The same word that has the power to destroy and the power to heal, that same kind of power lies in this blessed old book. Oh, my heart standeth in awe of thy word, and thus I will rejoice in it. I will hate lying and love his word. I will praise his name and praise this word. I will find peace in it, and I won't turn away from him. I will hope in his salvation because there's salvation in no other regardless of what, what things look like and how hopeless it seems, I can find hope in this book. Oh, my soul will keep his testimonies, showing that I love them. And I will think of my blessed Redeemer all the day long, and thus I will then arrive at the place where I can with the psalmist say, I can't help myself, my heart standeth in awe of his word. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening 
at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.